Welcome back to Second Helping, the first choice of fans and followers of the number one collegiate athletic league in the United States of America, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. With you alongside my great friend, co-host Brent Beard, college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida. Also a longtime voter where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. And Brent, for the first time, it took us until that first weekend in November. But when you look around the SEC this weekend, first of all, we've got a full slate, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. But we're going to have some real football weather, it looks (laughs) like, around the Southeastern Conference on Saturday. Yeah, it won't have any snow accumulating, but it's going to be chilly. And, uh, uh, frankly, Trav, I think the players enjoy that uh, compared to this uh, heat index of over 100 degrees we've got in September. Uh, I think they'd probably rather deal with that. It will be uh, somewhat chilly for the fans, especially these night games. But a, a full slate with football weather, it, uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, we've got games spanning the windows from start to finish on Saturday, the noon window, uh, that 3.30, 4 o'clock time slot also filled, and then three primetime matchups we're going to get into. But first, also, Brent, wanted to get your thoughts on the initial college football playoff rankings that we saw earlier in the week from the SEC perspective. What really stood out to you about that? Well, uh, uh, obviously, Georgia was going to be one, and I think two through uh, five was going to be some combination of Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, and Ohio State. Trev, I was not surprised about Cincinnati. I know there's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth over that, and which is one of the reasons I'd like to see the playoff expanded. But at the same time, being in that mock uh, committee a few years ago, uh, there were Trav, there wasn't a lot of love for these non non power five teams that uh, that don't have a strong schedule. So uh, I didn't think that was real surprising. Uh, now uh, somewhat uh, Oklahoma being undefeated, but yet their performances against some of these teams like Tulane, like against Kansas, has kind of put them around that number eight mark. Uh, I mean, look, uh, there's still plenty of ball left to play, a lot to do, uh, but certainly uh, not not really surprised about top four or five, uh, but then the, the Oklahoma and the Cincinnati certainly ca- causing a lot of uh, noise ar- around the nation. Yeah, I guess you could say even games from the end of last season can hurt a team. Not that they're supposed to, right? It's supposed to be about this season, this body sure. of work. But you look back to the New Year's Six games at the end of last season, and Georgia beat Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. Shouldn't matter. And I guess there's even been examples, though, where we've seen UCF beat Auburn in that same game and maybe not get the love from the committee a year later. So I guess that can go both ways. You know, when I think of the group of fives, maybe one of the biggest things hurting them right now and being group of fives is that they're locked out of a lot of these early season matchups that we see at neutral sites because the affiliations with say Chick-fil-A and in that game in Atlanta, what that's ACC SEC for the most part. right? Right. So they find themselves on the outside looking in, not only in terms of being able to get the home and homes they want, 
unless they're willing to take the two for ones, which we're starting to see more of from the USFs and even the UCF, I think is getting into that pool now. Uh, when you look at just the Florida schools, uh, just the scheduling aspect. And, and that's, again, understanding Cincinnati was fortunate to be able to even play Notre Dame this season and then get a win over the Irish. Uh, but it's just not enough, it doesn't seem like, from a scheduling perspective. No, and, and I'll be very interested to see where that goes uh, from here on out, which, uh, which is, again, I think why expanding the playoffs either to 8 or to 12 is going to be something that will – uh, will help that group. Uh, and look, I, I know it's a conference team in Wake, but I've got to give them a lot of credit for what they have done. And and Dave Clawson, uh, w- w- with that group, they've got some very interesting games coming up. Uh, but it's fascinating to see them in there. Auburn certainly at 14 uh, or 13 A&M at, at 14, and they certainly play each other. Ole Miss, Mississippi State still hanging around with Kentucky. So certainly for the league that, that, that we cover primarily well represented, are they traveling that top 20? They are. And if you're A&M, I got to think it's a bit of a, what could have been feeling yeah. right now, because if you just split right with Arkansas yeah. and Mississippi state, think about yes. what Texas A&M could be in this thing with that win over Alabama. No question. Uh, and matter of fact, they probably would be, uh, uh, top I, five, I, I, certainly. Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, that unfortunate for them. I, uh, listen, if they if they had split those games, Trav, uh, they may be ranked higher than an undefeated Oklahoma team. You know, it was pointed out that when you look at the top four, you've got Michigan State in there, you've got Oregon in there, Georgia obviously to go along with Nick Saban. You got all these Alabama assistants. <laughs> That's right. In, in that top four, along with Nick Saban. You could have had four former Saban assistants yeah. with Jimbo and A&M maybe right. to round out a top five uh, if the Aggies could have just gotten a split in the Western division of the SEC between Arkansas and Mississippi State. Let's fast forward to this week, though. Again, full slate of action in the premier conference in all of college football. Things get going in that noon Eastern window Saturday, Brent, with Missouri fresh off its first SEC win of the season in Nashville over Vanderbilt. Uh, The challenge, the mountain a little higher to climb with number (laughs) one Georgia in Athens. And Georgia certainly coming off a huge win uh, in the cocktail party over Florida. You know, we typically refer to these as sort of maturity games. Yes. But when I look at this Georgia team, I haven't sensed any potential issues in that regard. I think when you've got a front seven like Georgia does, uh, that covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Trav, my question is, is Tyler Beatty, uh, who frankly has really come out as one of the better running backs in the league, uh, particularly as of late, uh, is he going to be able to do anything uh, at this point? Connor Basilak has been uh, beaten up a little bit. Uh, that That is a problem. Uh, also, matter of fact, uh, Tyler Macon has been has played a little bit, uh, but it really doesn't matter who the quarterback is for Missouri at this point. They they certainly have not seen anything compared to what they're going to see uh, coming on Saturday. Now, if this game was at and Georgia's going to win regardless if it, if it was on the in Antarctica, if it was in Missouri. Uh, in a little colder weather, that that might make it a little interesting or give the announcer something else to talk about. But I think right now uh, this is 
uh, just what does Georgia want to do? And, Trev, does JT Daniels maybe get a, a series or two in this game just to start breaking him in? Yeah, I think we're getting closer and closer to that line of demarcation where yes. you feel more confident in stating Stetson Bennett is the guy at quarterback for Georgia if we don't soon see JT Daniels yep. in some form or fashion. And say this for Stetson Bennett, man. You want to talk about yards per attempt, which is what we talk about primarily with quarterbacks on this podcast. And you even heard Nick Saban on Wednesday reference it in terms of metrics and how to evaluate success on offense with an emphasis on the passing game. He pointed to yards per attempt uh, in his latest press conference as well. Stetson Bennett is averaging 11.5 yards per attempt. That is above what we saw from Tua Tonga-Vailoa in a couple seasons at Alabama, just by a tick ahead of even Mac Jones, I want to say, last season. Even Joe Burrow, you know, in his Heisman Trophy winning season in 2019, wasn't at 11.5. Now, those guys threw it a good bit more. They had more attempts, so you have to take that into consideration. But I just think it's interesting because when we think of Georgia – we think primarily of the run game, and with good reason. Between Bennett and those top three backs, all those guys average five yards or more per carry. But when you look at it in terms of yards per game, Georgia actually throws it for about 35 yards more per contest than it runs it. Uh, now, my, to dovetail with what you're saying, number one, anybody who's averaging a first down every throw, uh, yeah. uh, if you would look at it that way, that, that's impressive. Trav, my question is, uh, is uh, have, what effect, and you would think it would, be, it would certainly be better, but I'll be interested to see what the chemistry is, when, uh, when Don Blaylock and George Pickens and these guys who have been hurt basically for the last month, and they're slowly coming along, uh, what, what is, Trav, what's Georgia going to be in late November uh, when you're able to get those guys back in the lineup? Yeah, I mean, they're very, very efficient right now. They are maximum efficiency, really, when you talk either side of the ball really offense or defense, but they'll have the potential to become even more dynamic. I would think uh, with an addition or two in a certain area or two of this football team, you know, as much as we want to talk about Georgia and Missouri in that early window, what about Hugh freeze, the right oh. reverend? Well, that's actually Houston nut, but it also yes. brings to mind Hugh freeze. Hugh freeze making that return to Oxford on Saturday to take on Lane Kiffin and an Ole Miss team limping back home following its latest conference loss at the hands of the Auburn Tigers. Talk about quarterback matchups and those oh. that are intriguing. How about Malik Willis also coming back to the Southeastern Conference, the Auburn transfer having a huge post-AU career up in Lynchburg, Virginia at Liberty. Matt Corral on the other side, potential for fireworks once again with these two offenses, Brent. You're going to love that. Willis so far this year, 140 of 210 for 2,000 yards. Trav, how about this for TD and interception ratio? 21 touchdowns and six picks. He is. He's also rushed for nearly 900 yards. So you're talking about somebody that has resurrected his career uh, mm-hmm. with Hugh with Hugh Freeze. Liberty has lost a couple of uh, 
three-point games to Syracuse, Louisiana, Monroe. Uh, they beat Troy, UAB, and North Texas. Now, there'll probably be a little bit more as we wait, get closer. Wait, wait. Terry Bowden got a W <laughs> over Hugh Freeze? Oh, really? Wow. How about that? And Rich Rodriguez is at OC, too. OC, yeah. Oh, this yeah. kid playing quarterback. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, that there hasn't been a lot of recap so far about uh, Hugh and his shenanigans at Ole Miss, but, and I'm sure that may come toward the end of the week, but uh, talking to a friend who does uh, the uh, broadcast for Ole Miss, and uh, he said he thinks – that, that Rebel fans will give Hugh a pretty warm welcome for what he did for them. We know what he did for him as far as recruiting uh, is concerned. But, Trev, to me, that this is a situation of, for Ole Miss, I mean, who who can play right now? Uh, Ontario Drummond with that hamstring. Braylon Sanders uh, played a little bit. Jonathan Mingo's out until uh, A&M. Now, give them credit. They've still got a lot of players. Uh, Jakur Pearson came up big, uh, but 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 right now uh, uh, for Ole Miss, and again it's this depth team with Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State. To me, at the end of the year, uh, it, what's the attrition and that roster going to be at this point? Yeah, it's already a major concern, no doubt about that. But I think you hit on it in terms of this game on Saturday. Touchdown attribution, I guess you could call it. Between these two quarterbacks, you've got 30 total from Malik Willis, Matt Corral with 25 between passing and rushing of his own. And, you know, it's a game that is a little bit under the radar considering the dynamics involved. But one that I think once we get to Saturday in that early window, we'll pretty much all have our eyeballs directed towards the vault in Oxford, Mississippi. 3.30 3.30 Eastern on CBS Saturday. You got Auburn and Texas A&M. We talked about this game, teased this game a little bit earlier in the week, Brent. We talked about the potential for a number three designation among SEC teams through the early stages of November. This has sort of that play-in feel between the Tigers and the Aggies. And, you know, we talked about quarterbacks earlier in the week. But the more I think about this game, Brent, I think it's going to come down to which offensive line holds up the best, because I think both of these front sevens defensively can be especially problematic for the other off for the other side. And so that's where I still have my concerns, even more so than Bo Nix going on the road these days, because I think he's quieted a lot of that. I think what I worry about with Auburn as much as anything, even coming off and an encouraging performance against Ole Miss last week is can Auburn get that Texas A&M front seven blocked on Saturday afternoon? Right, right. Look, uh, uh, that's the uh, uh, the crucial point of the game. I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, the Aggies right now second in the league, averaging three sacks a game. Uh, and, and Auburn, uh, to their credit, Auburn's fourth in the league in tackles for loss. They are 26th in the nation uh, in sacks. Uh, now, Trev, uh, uh, I'm sure your eagle eye caught this. Owen Papo, I believe, is back for Auburn, uh, uh, who has been 
one of their better defensive players, but he's been hurt. Uh, and he's going to be on the field at the same time with Zacoby McLean and Chandler Wooten. So, listen, that's not a bad trio, is it not, uh, in, in this situation? So, what, so which leads to the thing, Trav, who can run the ball in this thing? I mean, Isaiah Spiller, 100 yards in three of the last four games. We saw what Bigsby and Hunter could do uh, in the Ole Miss game when they fed them the ball uh, a little bit more. I mean, Bo Nix is averaging 10 yards per attempt. Uh, he's in that category now. But, uh, listen, you hit it. Uh, is, uh, Trav, who can protect the quarterback and run the ball? Yeah, you know, and you like the backs in this game a oh, lot. Love I mean, you really love Isaiah Spiller and, Devon A-Chain from the A&M side of things. Bigsby, uh, an improved performance against Ole Miss last week. and Gets a lot of good support from Hunter and Shivers there in that backfield. And we talked about it earlier in the week. I like what Mike Bobo did with some design quarterback yes. runs. A few wrinkles with Bo Nix against Ole Miss in that win. So, yeah, the skill position talent, you feel pretty good about both ways. But... It could come down to quarterbacks, and in that scenario, right now anyway, with the way that Bo Nix is playing, you feel a lot more comfortable with Auburn if it comes down to it, uh, and the ball is put into Nix's hands more than maybe even Mike Bobo and Brian Harson would prefer. Let's talk about in that 4 o'clock game, Eastern Time, on Saturday afternoon, a big one on the SEC Network, Mississippi State coming off. Another top 25 win, this time over Kentucky last Saturday night in Stark Vegas. The Dogs take to the road, head to Fayetteville, where the Arkansas Razorbacks rested and ready the Razorbacks. Brent, after an FCS opponent, followed by a bye week, came at a great time for Sam Pittman's team, and now an opportunity in November to really improve its status among bowl bids and bowl teams in the league. Uh, yeah, this is strength on strength here. Arkansas second the league in rushing and Mississippi State. And you call attention to this uh, with Zach Arnett's group only allowing 89 yards rushing, uh, which uh, is, is a bit of a surprise in the beginning. But, boy, they have played well with that. Uh, I really like Arkansas's balance uh, as far as rushing and passing at this point. Uh, a, a little bit of concern Hogs only two turnovers, Trav, in that first five games. They've turned it over five times in their last uh, three games. Uh, <laughs> listen, I, I, I left out loud on this. Will Rogers is on pace, Trav, to throw 707 passes this year. That would be the fifth all-time uh, that that's ever been done. And as you can imagine, uh, a lot of those guys in the top five for throwing the most passes in a, in a single season, they were coached by Mike Leach. Wow. He is he is well over 50 passes per game, Will Rogers, right <laughs> now, having attempted 435 in eight contests. You know, I look at Arkansas defensively, and I think they are perfectly set up to deal with this Mike Leach offense because yeah. – they are fine playing zone coverage. Kind of got the book out on Mississippi State last season, as you recall. You look back at Sam Pittman's wins in his first season. The one in Starkville a year ago was the one that really caught your attention because 
you had just seen Mississippi State go into Baton Rouge and take the defending national champions apart. So uh, I like this matchup for Arkansas defensively. Jalen Catalan not being available right. uh, concerns you a little bit for that Arkansas secondary. But Barry Odom's defense, right, is pretty yeah. much built to oh, deal with this type of offense, I, I think, anyway. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And listen, I want to give you credit for something. We've talked about Arnett and, and how, what a good job he's done for Mississippi State. Uh, uh, Trev, I've heard from, from Florida fans this week talking about, well, who should we get for our D coordinator? How about that guy at Mississippi State? Yeah, go ahead and uh, oh. spread the word, Zach yeah. Arnett. I know, like I said earlier, I know Florida fans don't want to go back to Starkville. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, in the last few years, I understand that, but I'm telling you, man, Zach Arnett, or even if you go to Arkansas and try to poach Barry Odom, uh, you know, those are a couple of guys that that you know the defense coordinators in this game that I would keep an eye on. When you look at it offensively, I also I, I'm leaning more towards Arkansas as the week moves on because I like the balance they have both in the run game and then they still have that guy. Right. Out wide, outside, and Traylon Burks, it can be a real problem. How do you kind of lean in this one with Mississippi State and Arkansas, uh, Brent? Uh, uh, listen, I would kind of go with you, and, and and I'm going for this reason is, and, and look, we followed Leach for a while, and, and early on in the league, Trev, about the time, about the time they get some real momentum going, speaking of maturity games, people are talking now about them maybe replacing Kentucky as that hot team, and could they uh, could they end up in a really nice bowl game before it's over? So, so Trav, my question to you is, e- emotionally and maturity-wise, can they, can they get up for this game and handle this game? You're right about State being tough to figure out because even as we talked about earlier, going back to the early stages of Leach's tenure with the win at, uh, LSU, and then to come home and lose to, you know, an Arkansas team that had gone a couple of years, I believe, without an SEC win, sure. it's kind of follows that track. And even in recent weeks, it's not that State lost to Alabama; it's that State lost by 40 yeah. to Alabama uh, in Starkville, but then turns around and beats Kentucky. Right. And so you, you really, you know, the week after Halloween. Uh, it seems appropriate. Trick or treat. It's been. <laughs> it seems like with Mike Leach throughout pretty much. Uh, the entirety of his career. 7 o'clock Eastern on Saturday night. ESPN primetime. Alabama welcomes LSU to Bryant-Denny Stadium. I didn't realize, but I think this is a Fowler and Herb Street game it, it, it on is. Saturday night. It, yes, it I, is. I thought this would be more Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge right, right. Uh, on that call. But how about... I guess LSU Alabama, despite the last couple of years with what we've seen from the Tigers, I guess it still has enough luster to get the uh, the ABC ESPN varsity team there in Bryant Denny Stadium. By the way, in that 2011 Bama team honored uh, in that game, which will be interesting, I believe the the, uh, the Alabama basketball team will be too. So they'll be they'll, they'll be giving out a lot of uh, applause and rings in that game during that time. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm curious if this surprises you. LSU runs all over Florida for 300-plus yards. And frankly, Trav, they have not even gone over 150 yards against anybody else. No. 
so uh, that that is um, uh, still struggling the way that they are uh, with that Bama up to number four in rush defense, allowing only 89 yards per game. This is the thing, and you wrote about this probably a month ago, and, and I think for our listeners, this is the Alabama change that that we really wonder about. And, and basically during the A&M game and up to that point, they were 50-50 in run pass. Now they're 59% run, 41% pass in the last two games. So, Trav, my question is, uh, is that their identity truly on offense and have they found it? I think it is, uh, you know, in the last two meetings between these teams, Mac Jones and Tua Tonga Vailoa both threw four touchdown passes. So yes. I think that could be in play for Bryce Young on Saturday night, especially, you know, you're going against what you perceive you're working, what you perceive to be your opponent's weaknesses. And right now, I don't know if you're Alabama, how you don't look at this LSU defense and think, man, we got to get after this secondary because there are so many absences, so many injuries uh, on the back end of this LSU defense. And conversely, you look in the front seven and still, you know, LSU offers some challenges there. Demone Clark's the SEC's leading tackler. You've got some veteran uh, defensive tackles and Logan and Farrell. You got a really solid edge defender in BJ Ojolari. You got one of the top freshmen in the SEC on that LSU defensive line and Mason Smith. So, you know, there are some there are some guys in that front seven that can stress Alabama. But on the back end, uh, with what you're seeing from Jamison Williams, what you're seeing of late from John Mechie, uh, what you think you can still get out of your tight ends, although they've been up and down. Uh I think that's the area of this LSU defense you got to focus on. Uh, well, and Cordell Flott uh, is is the most recent guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Derek Stingley out, Eli Ricks out, Major Burns out, Sage Ryan out. My goodness! Um, now again, uh, ask Florida Gator fans. LSU's got talent, regardless of who's out. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and Trav, I think that this would be huge. Uh, also, if Drew Sanders can get back on the Alabama defense, that helps, no doubt about it. You know, when you look at uh, what he brings to the outside linebacker position to go along with Will Anderson, gives them more versatility uh, within their base starters, which Drew Sanders qualifies as that at the strong side linebacker position. They've had to try to compensate for his absence of late doing some different things with reserves, but also against Tennessee, we saw them go a little heavier up front in their nickel to deal with that Tennessee run game. You still may see that Saturday night. You still may see a LeBron Ray maybe open the game opposite Will Anderson to try to make sure they're solid against Ty Davis Price and, and LSU running the football. But yeah, Drew Sanders, a talented guy who had stepped in obviously for Christopher Allen, who was lost for the season in the opener against Miami and, uh, you know, Alabama trying to keep things rolling as it moves through the month of November and towards that potential matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta. Also in primetime on Saturday night, the Tennessee Vols coming off a bye week travel to Lexington for one of the top rivalry games in the Eastern Division of the Southeastern Conference game that will air 
on ESPN2. Yeah, I'd say the bye week came at a good time for the Vols, Brent. Oh, uh, no question about it. And look, there there are a lot of people, Trav, who think Tennessee's going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, and I, I can see some of that, by the way, uh, Hendon Hooker averaging the prestigious 10 yards per pass uh, as of late. Uh, Tennessee only seven turnovers, so that that is really helping them. Uh, but as we know, Kentucky uh, turnovers have been their Achilles heel all year, hadn't it, Travis? Uh, had four in the most recent game. Uh, Trav, they cannot afford that against Tennessee. Uh, uh, that, I won't say would guarantee a win, but that that is something, particularly with Will Levis, they've got to clean that up, don't they? Yeah, Levis with three interceptions his last time out against Mississippi State. Hendon Hooker has been playing at a high, high level, operating that power spread of the balls. Um, you know, we've talked about Tennessee in such glowing terms of late, and we haven't seen it really show up in a win the last couple of times <laughs> out. So it, it's right. time for Tennessee to sort of graduate, transition from yes. I think it's pretty evident that there have been some strides made in year one under Josh Heupel. But ultimately, we've said that about some guys in the past. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to win Mm -hmm. some of these kind of games uh, against a Kentucky team that was pretty much handled from the second quarter on in Starkville last weekend. I think running the football, obviously, is where it starts for Kentucky. But I also think that's the case with Tennessee as well. I mean, Hooker, again... Uh, He's been explosive in the passing game. He's had some receivers step up. But I think when you look at this box score post-game Saturday night, you're going to look at Christian Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke for Kentucky. You're going to look at Tyon Evans, Jabari Small, Hendon Hooker for Tennessee. And you should get a pretty good feel based on those guys' rushing numbers who came out on the top end of this deal. Well, and listen, surprisingly, Trav, Kentucky – only 117 yards rushing in the past two games combined. Uh, now, uh, Cedric Tillman uh, has really been impressive. You mentioned the Tennessee receivers. He stepped up 25 catches for nearly 400 yards in the last three games. And, Trav, my other question with this is, how about that uh, Tennessee offensive line? How healthy are they uh, with yeah. the Mays brothers uh, who have been hurt? So, uh, look, look – I, I, People may not pay much attention to this game, but, but Trav, I think as far as what bowl positioning and where these teams end up before it's over with a year, uh, I, I think this is a critical game for whoever wins it. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, you're talking about Tennessee again, as much as we've patted the balls on the back for what appears to be improvement sitting there at four and four. So yeah. that's some business to take sure. care of in terms of bowl eligibility and the pecking order in that lineup for SEC teams where postseason play is concerned. And you're right about the Mays brothers. Having one at center, one at right tackle uh, would do wonders Ooh. for that Tennessee offense uh, in time. Florida at South Carolina. Not a lot of buzz about this one. The Gators no. continue in their tailspin. Now four and four overall following the 34-7 to seven defeat at the hands of rival Georgia last Saturday afternoon on the banks of the St. John's River. It is off to Columbia, South Carolina, where you got to think at least early on, 
Saturday night. The team with the most juice is going to be on the home sideline, all things considered, because we talk about bowl eligibility and things like that. South Carolina here at four wins. Somehow sneak one in this week, get one somehow in the the latter stages and the additional weeks coming up in November. Who knows what could be possible for Shane Beamer's team. Uh, And probably Anthony Richardson being in concussion protocol, he might even be able to play in this game. (laughs) Trail Florida now 120th in the country in turnover margin. At, my, at minus seven, obviously everybody knows they're two and seven in their last Power Five game. So uh, that, but look, you're still talking about a South Carolina team failed to rush for 100 yards in five of seven uh, games. The uh, defensive line at, at front seven, 230 rushing in three of the last five games. And so that that that's very difficult for them. And listen, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be yeah. in South Carolina. I was going to ask point. you. Doty's, Doty's still out. Yeah, right? Doty's I mean. Doty still out. Zeb Nolan has been hurt back and forth. And, uh, Trev, they're talking about Jason Brown and Colton Gaithier uh, is is the problem. And, man, alive, speaking of turnovers, South Carolina leading the SEC, uh, they've lost 18 turnovers uh, at this point, so uh, obviously uh, whoever can keep the ball the best will likely win this game. And uh, uh, look, I, I mean, this to me, this is a maturity game for Florida. I mean, can they can they shake off not not only the loss to Georgia, but the uh, the, the the naysayers being their own fans who are having a lot of doubts about this recruiting this coaching staff and where this program's going right now you don't like to see any player in concussion protocol that being said with richardson in that scenario it might make things easier for dan mullen this it, it really might that's a good point there there isn't as much noise about the quarterback situation you probably made the determination monday maybe even or certainly yeah. by tuesday that Emory Jones is going to be the guy this week and he's going to get the reps with the ones. And we're going to go into this week with our guy at quarterback, not any debate or discussion about who it should be behind center. And, you know, that could prove to be beneficial to this Florida offense on Saturday night. And really when you look at it from November in general, the schedule perspective before the season, you thought, well, this is where Florida will really be able to close the deal this season more so than last year even uh but as we said earlier we got it right now with florida i I don't feel safe guaranteeing anything and that starts with saturday night no no and and listen trav right now uh i I know that florida state game is in gainesville but uh uh, you could make an easy debate uh florida state's playing as well or, or i would say better than florida is yeah yeah let one get away had an opportunity in Clemson. Sure did. Last Saturday afternoon to uh, get a real statement win, albeit against a struggling Clemson team this season, but that would have been huge for Mike Norvell to sort of reverse the tide of negativity that's been confronting his own team here, uh, really, since his uh, implementation there as the head coach in Tallahassee. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here? Trev, we talked about JT Daniels. Uh, when was he coming back for Georgia? My my question too is uh, is how about Haynes King at A and M? We've heard very little 
uh, about that situation. And obviously, when they can run the ball and uh, Calzada's, I think, been serviceable. But, uh, but I'm just curious about that. Does, does Jimbo try soon to get Haynes King, uh, if he is healthy, uh, back in the game uh, uh, at this point, too? They've got Ole Miss, Prairie View, and LSU that's coming up. I, I think that might be something interesting to watch for. Yeah, I, I guess uh, if he is cleared and available, I think Saturday could go a long way in sort of determining that. You know, it's a delicate sure. balance. You've got things going pretty good. Maybe not so much even just from a passing game perspective or even an offensive perspective, but from the team dynamic, you know, your team's feeling pretty good about itself. And typically that goes hand in hand with the guy behind center. So uh, if you keep winning games, I think that makes it a little harder to reinsert King at this point. That being said, if King is what he was pre-injury, I don't think there's any doubt that the ceiling for that A&M offense is a good bit higher with him sure. in the lineup. So you're right. It'll definitely be something to keep an eye on as we move down the stretch of the regular season. Well, Brent, as always, a lot of fun here on Second Helping, the first choice of fans and followers of the top league and all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. And if you haven't subscribed already, to second helping we certainly hope you would do so and if you'd leave us a rating and a review while you're doing that that would help us out and we would be extremely grateful for that as well brent man we we'll have plenty to talk about you know it isn't a full slate by the way vandy's off this weekend so <laughs> it's close. We at least one of, yeah i guess that's close enough if vandy's yeah. off man <laughs> still kind of a full slate uh, and I'm guessing with this chilly weather for uh, for, for a near full slate, Trev, will there, will there be some chili made and some taco soup? Oh yeah, some ta- some fire cleaned out this weekend maybe. Chili, some taco soup. <laughs> I think we're doing a uh, we're doing a Louisiana theme. Oh uh, yeah, Casa de Casa de Ryer. I think we're doing right. po' boys and maybe some gumbo. Yeah, Excellent. perfect gumbo Saturday. Excellent. Oh, man, good stuff. Well, for Brent Beard, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again for joining us here on Second Helping. Please join us again early next week as we recap a busy, busy and should be eventful weekend of SEC football right here on Second Helping. Have a great weekend, everybody.